Welcome to the C Word Podcast. I'm your host, Beck Hughes. This is where creative meets business. Here we explore what it takes to harness your creative gifts and turn them into a thriving business. You can have a brand and business that allow you to create work that feels amazing to call yours, have clients you love serving, and live a life that feels like the only place you want to be. Hey you, how are you? I hope you're ready for an awesome episode of the C Word podcast because today I'm talking to Jessica Osborne all about niching. And Jess is the poster child for niching because she has made it her niche and she has so much insight to share on this topic. Jess is a business coach, podcast host and author who is all about business that puts family and lifestyle first. She turned her 20-year marketing career into a part-time business focused on helping other professional women to leave behind the restrictive nine-to-five and have the fulfillment and flexible lifestyle they crave. When I think of Jess, I think of sunshine and days at the beach because I feel like that's where I see her hanging out the most. She's all about a less work, more life style of strategy that leads to faster, easier growth without succumbing to the hustle hard mentality, which sounds good to me. I love talking to Jess because she always goes out of her way to give as much value and insight as she possibly can. And in this episode, we go pretty deep on niching and we talk about what it is and what it isn't, why it is such a huge advantage for your business if you dare to do it. Jess shares three key things to think about when developing your niche and then how to leverage your niche once you define it. So sharpen your pencil and listen up. Jess, welcome to the Seaboard Podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. How are you, darling? I'm really well. Thank you so much for having me back. It's been awesome to connect again. Um, we always have a good chat, so I've been really looking forward to this. Yeah, we do. I think we share a lot of views in common. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and it's so nice, you know, you meet kindred spirits. And um, I think we, we've both spent time, obviously, in corporate, doing like marketing, communications, and then coming into the entrepreneurial space. Um, we've got just got so much in common that I know that this will be a fantastic chat, as always. So. Yeah, I, it's funny you mentioned the corporate thing, because I think that brings a really interesting spin to you know, when you come out of corporate and there's partly some of the baggage that you bring with you. Mm -hmm. And then there's also (laughs) the insight that that gives you that you can share. And I think it does give you a really interesting perspective. Then when you start to work with maybe smaller businesses. Yes. Yeah. There, I mean, that's just it, isn't it? There is a lot of baggage that you bring that you really need to shed quite quickly. um, I think (laughs) once you step out of that, Um, you know, all the pretenses and the things that you think that you need to be and sound like and all of that, um, you actually find that being yourself and being you is so much more effective in the business world as an entrepreneur. Um, But also, I think one of the biggest things and anybody who's listening, who's currently in corporate and thinking of starting a small business or your own business, there's so much you do not need. You know, everything that you know that you've learned through big business or even, you know, even if they are small businesses but have been around for a while, you do not need all of that on day one. Like stop thinking that to be set up as a proper business, you need all this 
stuff like you know I need to have everything done and you know I mean even things like business cards like seriously unless you're going to who uses business cards Jess (laughs) I don't have any still (laughs) like (laughs) don't need them I always used to have them in you know the boxes would sit in my desk for um years in the corporate world even though I went to events I always forget to give them out but people find you on on social media you know you literally do not need so much stuff that you think you need um you know we you know simple stuff a website we're like I must have a website or I'm not a proper business I actually website's not stopping you from getting a client from working with someone from getting started yes it's a good thing to have but stop thinking you need to have all of this before you start and I think for me looking back if I was to begin again I would be way, way faster. Um, I would have a lot less that I thought I needed <laughs> before I started for real. It's so true, Jess. And it's funny because I was actually listening to someone else's podcast recently and they were talking about how it took them a really long time to find their own voice coming out of corporate. Mm. You know, for a long time, they felt a bit stilted and like they should talk in a certain way and that maybe they would be pulled up for not being formal or they would be judged for not kind of using the corporate speak and sometimes I think letting go of some of that which I referred to at the start as baggage is a bit of a process isn't it yeah it's it's really hard I work with a lot of clients who have come out of that environment um, quite a few actually who are, who are doctors um, in their profession and it's really hard for them to not write in either an academic type of voice or a very professional corporate voice and so going from saying we to saying I <laughs> for instance is a really hard shift for a lot of people something so simple um, and even just the language and the way you structure sentences and, and things like that I think that um, one of the big hangovers in the business world is people think you need to use all these big words and complex um, sentences to sound more intelligent and sound more professional. And it's actually the dead opposite. It just makes you harder for people to, you know, they've got to read something twice to really get the meaning of it, which means that they're more likely just to go next, you know, yeah. swipe, let's carry yeah. on to the next It's like because, reading a contract. Mm. Oh God, yeah, <laughs> sit down and actually focus on it. And yeah, it's like, it should yes, be hard. Can do it, but it's not fun. Yeah. <laughs> I want to talk about something quite specific with you today, Jess, because it's a really interesting topic that I know you focus on a lot and have a wealth of knowledge about. But before we do that, I just like to put all of my beautiful guests in the hot seat for a moment, because I love to get to know a little bit more about you and kind of peel away the layers a bit. And I'm sure that people listening do too. So the first thing I would love to know about you, Jess, or love for you to share is what is your favorite color? Well, that one's easy. That is um, turquoise or teal. So I'm actually wearing a pair of uh, turquoise earrings today and I have some in my shirt as well. Um, Yeah, that's my favourite colour. And of course, it's your brand colour. It's how it's your... Well, that's exactly it. That's why I chose it. (laughs) Every time I see that teal aqua fresh colour with lots of white, I think of you, definitely. Um, What is your favourite book? Oh, great question. I'm such a bookworm. I grew up reading all the books. So um, look, from a business sense, I think one of the ones that's been the most powerful for me is How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Um, That is one I just, I wish they taught it in schools. I really do. I just think it is, if, if we learned how to communicate with people better, everybody would just get along in personal life, work life, social circles just so much better you know 
that literally is the same thing that's come out of that book. It's just understanding the other person's perspective and so important in marketing, so important in your messaging. It's not really, and yes, it's a sales Bible, but I I say it's so much more than that. It's about anything that you want in life. Um, You know, it's always about what's in it for me when you're talking to someone else, even though we don't consciously think like that, we will all be more drawn to say yes to something that feels like it's, something that we want (laughs) empathy is everything having empathy for Mm. someone else's situation is very Mm -hmm. important and a learning Mm -hmm. skill yeah okay Jess the next one what is your favorite food I love so many I love food (laughs) I love food food is my favorite food (laughs) depends on the time of day um Oh, look, I probably would have to say if I didn't have fruit, I would be very sad. So I will say strawberries. Now, what is your go-to comfort blanket? What's the thing when you just want to chill out and go and escape? It could be a food, a drink, a piece of clothing, a movie, a piece of music. What do you want to do when you just want to switch off? Um, I walk across the road to the beach and I just sit and watch the waves for a few minutes and yeah, in silence <laughs> with no kids. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. yeah. So lucky that you can do that, Jess. That's so nice that you've got the beach close by. Yeah. And the final thing, what's mm-hmm. your creative outlet? What do you do to just have a bit of creative play in your life? I would say that's probably cooking um, because I tend to be a person that does not follow any recipe ever (laughs) so I make it up as I go along I I you know maybe get a bit of inspiration but I will um yeah I just create in the kitchen so I put things together and um I love doing that okay so let's get into a little bit of the nitty-gritty of what we wanted to talk about you I know share a lot in your content and with your community and I and it's something that's quite important to you and you see as an important part of business, and that is niching. Perhaps you could share a little bit on what your view is on what niching is. Yes, absolutely. Look, I love this topic. I'm really glad that we're diving into it today. Um, and I, the reason why I think I spend so much time talking about it and why it is one of my sort of key themes is because it's something across the board that everybody fears. Um, it's it's not technically hard to do but it is hard to wrap your head around it I think that there's a lot of barriers that um, that are in our way and people actively try to resist it (laughs) even when they know that they want to do it even when they're trying to do it they are still resisting themselves doing it which is really interesting and that's why I love to talk about it I love to try to help remove those barriers because what is niching well look Niching, um, I think, gets a lot of um, what we call it miscommunicated um, understanding of what it is. People think that it means small, small. (laughs) It's a small part of the market. And I'm going to go into this tiny little space. Um, But actually what niching is, is more so your sweet spot in the market. So the communication of where you best fit. It's not the description of everything that you can do. And that I will just repeat because I think this is really important for creatives. A lot of people try to incorporate everything that they can do and then, and that's where they struggle. (laughs) They're trying to define a niche that is a broad array of skills. 
that's not what we're trying to do here. Um, your niche is actually where you, where, where is your sweet spot in the market? Where do you best fit? Where do you shine out? That is your niche because that's where you want to be shining the light from to attract in the best clients. Once you have a client, gosh, it's up to you what you want to, to offer for your services. The, the broader you go, I don't advise because it makes it harder for you. <laughs> it means that you've got more more behind the scenes, more systems, more processes, more resourcing that you need, the broader and broader you go. It just means um, less billable time. Um, so it makes your life a lot easier to be more specific and narrow. Um, it means faster growth as well. So there's a lot of great benefits in there. But it's really, you know, let's stop thinking about it as being the only thing that you offer and the only thing that you do. It's actually more, what is it that you're best at? Where is your shining light? Yeah. Okay. So I think I mean, you touched a bit on the barriers to niching and it is mm -hmm. very often people feel like perhaps they're limiting themselves and mm -hmm. limiting their opportunities. I'm yes. going to end up limiting my breadth and my reach. Yeah. And this is exactly what everybody thinks. <laughs> so yes, very common. Um, you know, when we look at it, uh, your, your brain is, is, trying to protect you and trying to say look don't narrow down because then you're leaving all this money on the table you know you're leaving the opportunity over there and that opportunity over there we're not going to beat around the bush and say well you're not leaving those opportunities out there it's like does it even matter that you are there's always going to be far more opportunity in this world far more people you can service far more things that you could do than what you can physically capably do so you've just got to get comfortable with the fact that you're not going to be able to take every opportunity that that is out there that you can see, that you're not going to be able to service every person who is a fit for what you do. And that's OK. It's not about you servicing everyone. It's not about you having all of it. It's actually about let's look at the sum of what it is that you do best and actually try to rise to the top of that, um, you know, so many service providers and you know I work with a lot of creatives as well so I know exactly who we're talking to here on yeah. the podcast work with plenty of copywriters designers all of the all of the creative arts um you know when when you're not niche when you're broad you'll end up competing on price um because you're you're not specific you're not defining what you're best at you're not defining that space you're not leading you're sitting there waiting for the market to tell you what they want and you're pricing your stuff based on what other people are doing what we want to do is to see you define your space and actually rise to the top of it so that you can be that premium offer and that can be scary I think um, then there's a whole nother level of barriers that we go through when it comes to pricing because you know it can feel uncomfortable and awkward but when you really sit in the value that you can offer, when you really think about what it is that you do that is special for you, it may not be unique, but where you really shine, who you help best, you know that you're undercharging. You'll be feeling resentment. You'll be feeling like, oh, I could be paid more for this. And that's just showing you that you're not rising to the space that you need to be in, you need to own that space. And then align your pricing with your niche so that you can attract the right caliber of clients in who absolutely see that value who absolutely willing to pay for it um and why would you not want to do that it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy in a way doesn't it because when you find the right niche you're then doing your best work so you're yeah. getting the best results so you've got 
really happy clients and then you've got great case studies to talk about so then that creates momentum and creates that snowball effect Mm -hmm. and not only that you're probably much more comfortable in your messaging because you're not trying to talk to lots of different people with different needs different niche niches Mm -hmm. if that's a word but you're not trying to speak to lots of different people and therefore spreading your message really really thin yeah exactly you know and you'll know that you're not niched enough if you're finding it hard (laughs) if it's hard to figure out what to say if you struggle to write your content your copy um, if you're struggling with your pricing any of that that actually just means that you have not started at step one which is defining your niche and you can there's so many different ways you can define it Um, you know you don't have to be narrow on all aspects but I've kind of got three (laughs) ways that three ways that we can approach it from. And I like to get as specific as possible on all three. Um, You will go through the process of peeling back layers. You might get to a point where you feel that you've gone as specific as you can. But I always think, come back and reflect on that. Because once you're out there trying to use it, you might find, oh, actually, there's another bit that I don't really want in there. Let's peel that layer off. Let's peel that layer off. I don't really want that bit either. Every time you have an experience um, you know, either with a client or even in just with your audience or, or things where you're learning, getting more aware of yourself and where you best sit, you can peel back more of those layers. Um, so, you know, you can feel like it's a process and it, it will evolve and it will evolve with you. So you don't have to feel like you're stuck with something that you've decided on day one of your business. No, it will evolve and you'll get better at it and you'll get you'll redefine it many times and that's okay (laughs) it's actually part of the process it's what you want to be doing that's such an important message actually Jess because I think that like in so many things in life and in business we feel like we've got to make a decision and then that's it (laughs) we're Mm. stuck with it forever (laughs) but to know that like with many things it is something that we can tweak and evolve and change Mm -hmm. and sometimes completely transform you know you can completely pivot use the p word pivot in your business and that's okay too yeah absolutely I think it's um you know there's a great metaphor that we use in my um coaching program where I say you know imagine that you're trying on dresses you know maybe it's to find your wedding dress for example you might try some on that fit and you're like yeah this, this is good you know it fits it looks nice but you don't feel it in your heart it's not the one But the thing is that in order for you to know that, you've kind of got to try it on. And so you might go through a process of trying on some dresses. Some of them you might try on a couple of times or you might leave it on for a bit and be like, you know, this is kind of working. But you will know what is the one because when you try on that one, you're going to be like, I feel it in my heart. I actually feel this is where I'm meant to be. This is the place that's right for me. Now, some people can take a few different shopping expeditions to find that one. A few marriages. Find it really quickly. <laughs> um, you know, it is an evolving process, just like, you know, you've got to think about all of your things, like your marketing, you know, your social media, your website, none of, they're all living, breathing things that evolve and change as you also evolve and change. And it's not something that you set on day one. Yeah. Now, Particularly for creatives, Jess, is there anything that is maybe a misconception about what a niche is? Oh, plenty. <laughs> Let's see them. Um, <laughs> so, uh, look, 
people will say, oh, I work with mums um, or mums in business or women in business or small businesses. Um, now, none of these are a niche. Why is that? Because there is so many of them. What is it about those mums? Um, you know, let's try to define it. In. If there's no specificity there, then you're not niched. And you, the reason that you want to be is so that that person actually connects with you as being the right one for them. If they're reading something and thinking, well, yeah, I'm a mum in business, but every mum in business knows there's a million other mums in business. You're not feeling like, well, this is actually made for me. It needs to be deeper than that. Small business, another example, we're here in Australia. Um, I love to give this stat, even though it's a few years old, I probably should update my figures. But um, when I researched it, 97% of all businesses in Australia are classified as small business. And that was at the time four and a half million. It's probably more like five million by now after COVID. Um, five million businesses, really? That's your niche? <laughs> you know, come on. How many, many people to talk to, isn't it? <laughs> You don't yeah, have to worry about volume, at least. <laughs> and this actually brings me back to what you said before, is this um, whole view that there's not going to be enough for me if I go narrow. If I leave things out that I can do, there won't be enough for me. Well, let's just look at the numbers, because that is a perception that you're basing on absolutely no fact at all. Um, you know, if you are targeting small businesses and there's five million of them just in Australia, um, how many do you actually think you need for your business? Like how many clients do you need in a month, in a year? And how many are there out there? You know, I think that we've got such a filtered view of what is really out there, the actual abundance of opportunity, the number of businesses and potential clients out there is astronomical. It's far more than any of us could ever, ever, ever cope with. So going niche doesn't mean you're leaving opportunity out there it actually means you're creating more opportunity for yourself because you're able to rise above the crowd people will be drawn to you they will be more than happy to pay above the rates that the generic people are offering because they know that you're more specialized in their area and we all will pay more for the specialists yeah yeah I 100% agree with that so you mentioned Jess there are three ways or three maybe things that you encourage your clients to challenge themselves on or think about when mm -hmm. they're starting to address their niche. Do you want to mm -hmm. share those? I'm intrigued. I love a little threesome. <laughs> there are two ways that I guess are more commonly known to niche, which would be your expertise, like your specialization and what you do and who you work with, so your clients. So they would be the ones that you will probably see most people talking about out there on the internet. Um, I add in a third one and actually layer all of these three together to find that spot where they overlap in the middle. And the third one is your difference, like what makes you unique? Um, because that's really what's going to define your sweet spot that's going to help you stand out. Um, so when you can layer these three, um, you know, we want to be defined in all three areas as defined as possible. Um, you know, the more broad you are, then again, the harder it is for somebody to feel that strong connection to you. Yeah. So thinking about expertise for creatives, I think, again, you can get very broad with that. You can say, well, I'm a web designer. I'm a graphic designer. So how would you go about maybe niching that down more clearly for yourself? Mm. 
Yes, and this is where, um, you know, we come from areas that we tend to gather lots of skills, especially when you've worked in businesses and, you know, as being a designer for a business, you will end up designing lots of different types of collateral and all sorts of things. That is a great question. Look, you've got to look internally to yourself. And this is, I think, um, you know, something a lot of people make the mistake of trying to look externally to see, well, what's out there in the market? What competition is there? Where could I find the best spot based on what other people are doing? Well, the best spot for you is nothing to do with what anyone else is doing. It's actually where you shine. So the question I would ask yourself, and, and Becky, you know, we can use you as an example. Well, what sort of design do you find is easy for you to do. And it might even feel so easy. You think, well, this is ridiculous because it's so easy. Anyone can do it. Like the, the fact is that's not true. <laughs> there are, you know, what is easy for you means that that is in your zone of genius. You find it super easy because you're so connected to it. Um, anything that you're finding harder, you know, maybe that's a development area you want to get into and that's fine. But I would start cutting off all the things that it's not if you're like well I can do that but I don't love it I can do this it's not what you know I find it difficult or I always oh gosh it takes me so long to do well you know as a designer especially if you're charging you know per project you know yes it's down to your time anything that we do as a service is down to how much time you're spending if you're spending far longer to get a result in one area than you are in another then I would say that's probably not where your zone of genius is because you're working harder at it um, it's yeah. where you feel like, gosh, I could sit down and do this all day. Um, and now we're getting to another, I guess, um, objection that I find with designers. Like, oh, I don't want to be put in a box. I don't, I like variety. I like to do different stuff. You absolutely can. And just think, even if you went just for an example, as specific as I just design logos and a graphic design be like, oh, it's way too restrictive. Just think about even does that is super specific and then you define a business type of business that you work with every one of those businesses is going to be a different project there's going to be different creative um, strategy that comes into it what their business wants to look like the way you design the logo so even with designing logos there's still so much creative outlet and variety and interest in that now you know you don't have to be that specific with what you do like I was just using that as an example of how super super niche you could be and it could yeah. still be different with every single client that you're working with even if you're who like the type of client is still in a specific um, niche as well yeah because but even with logo I kind of think to myself well there's even a niche there are niches beyond that like there are great designers who focus and specialize in rebrand so their mm. area is to, to take existing identity and look at all the opportunities for that business and where they want to move themselves and mm -hmm. help them bridge a gap with their identity. So even yeah. that is a niche beyond logo, but there's plenty of people out there who want to rebrand. You're not over niching by doing No, that. no. And there's people who do um, just scripting, like actually literally creating yeah. stylized fonts. You know, that would be, I think, even a niche within logo um, <laughs> because you could probably create somebody's, um, you know, script font for their brand, which would then yeah. go into the logo design. You know, look, there's a, a whole series of questions that you'd ask. So sometimes you're looking at, well, what is it that you love? And other times it might be, what is it not? <laughs> let's let's cut off the things that you know that it's not that are, you know, within that what you've already defined. 
Um, and I've worked with quite a lot of web designers and it's another place where I tend to start off quite broad with what they do. And it can feel um, restrictive even to select a platform that you design best on. But, you know, what I say to them is, well, just consider the clients. If I'm looking for someone to design my website and if I already know what my website platform is or I know what it is I want to build on and I can find a web designer that's a generic designer that says I'll design on whatever you want and blah, 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 and I find one that's specific to that platform, I've instantly got a lot more trust in that person that is specialized in that platform. It's an interesting one. And actually, you've just made me think of a very specific example, but also thinking about when you deny your niche. So when you're intuitively drawn to a niche, but you sort of deny it. And I saw an example very recently in a Facebook group that I am a member of. And someone was talking about, they'd asked for a website, they commissioned someone to design a website for them. And they'd asked for it to be built in a specific platform. Let's say it was Squarespace. And then that web designer had gone ahead anyway and built it in Wix, just because that's what they wanted to do. And I thought that was so interesting that that had come about in the first place. That's a whole separate podcast. But... (laughs) Clearly, that particular web designer or developer leans towards Wix. It's a platform they're comfortable with. They felt it was the best solution. But they sort of said that they could do all platforms, but then kind of didn't anyway. So they're sort of denying their niche. If they really went all out and said, I believe Mm. in Wix, this this is what I do, and these are the reasons why. So if that's for you, come find me. It would be a... Mm -hmm much more powerful message but a much better relationship with those clients that you do find yeah and I think you touched on this earlier like when you are true to your niche and you are sitting in your sweet spot and that's where you're saying this is my highest value it is more successful for both your client has more success because your output is obviously you're giving your highest value Um, And it's more successful for you because you have clients who are super happy with the the outcome. So it's a win-win situation. And, you know, think about wouldn't you rather have high-paying clients who are paying for your value and are happy with the result and giving you those amazing testimonials that then help feed more of those type of clients because they see, well, you know, look at those results. I want that too than you just being mediocre. Stop thinking about all the things you can do because it's endless. Like you could probably fill a whole notebook if you started thinking of all the things you could possibly do and sell. That's not what business is about. It's not about what what can you sell and put it out there because if you do that, you're just going to be keeping yourself busy down playing down on this low level, creating stuff and trying to sell it rather than actually rising up into where your highest value is being comfortable there being comfortable with letting all the other stuff not be part of it you'll probably resent having taken on the project yes yeah and you're probably doing it because um you like the clients asked you to and you feel like you should say yes which is by the way your old employee mindset (laughs) so when you're an employee in a job you got asked to do things and you that's what you had to do Um, you know you often your roles would grow when you're in a company the scope would grow Um, And you felt like you always needed to do what you were asked to do. 
and what you're briefed on. But this is a totally different world. You're now in your own business and you have, you, you're you in the driver's seat, you know, get out of the passenger seat, get out of the back seat. You're like, you're driving the car now. You can define and say what it is that you do, where you're going, what you're not doing. No, no, I'm not going off down that path. No, I'm not going that way. Um, I can refer you to somebody who I know who does that. And that's okay. It's actually really good to stay in your lane. The biggest takeout for me, Jess, in what you've been saying is that, I think a really powerful way to approach niching and thinking about your niche is rather than start with, right, I'm, I've got to start at the pointy end. I've got a blank sheet of paper and I've got to write down what my niche is. Mm. You kind of actually start broader than that and go, well, this is where I am at the, at the moment. These are the things that I am doing. I could be doing the people that, I, that I'm taking work from and then start peeling away. But these are all the things that I don't want to do and almost start there and start lopping off the bits that don't serve you, don't feel good, aren't profitable, aren't your area of genius, all of the things, take away the knots, and then you'll probably find you get to a place that is a bit closer to your niche. Absolutely, yes. And, I, you know, if I share a little bit of my story and how I decided to do this as my business, um, because I was exactly the same. I came out of, you know, as I said, I had 20 years in, in like marketing comms, I'd done everything under the whole marketing comms banner. At times, I'd even built websites in HTML. Like, I literally, like, I've done How it. Where are you all. going, Jess? Have you had cancelling for that? <laughs> um, and I'd done some pretty terrible design work as well at times. But anyway, you know, like, I've li- I've literally done it all at some point. And I sat there thinking, gosh, what am I going to do? I want to run an online business um, with the services. Um, you know, what, where what am I good at? What am I, you know, and you start thinking that and you're like, well, there's lots of things that I can do and what should I do? And what made it easier for me was being aware of all the detail, but then rising above it. So instead of trying to like think it out and then like force the answer, I actually was like, well, where, where do I shine? Where do I feel like I really love to do? And what I realized was that as I had grown through my career up to being like the head of marketing comms, where I had really shone was in that strategy position. So that was for me how I kind of came to it. I sort of I saw the detail, but I was like, I need to now go internally to me and be like, what do I love? Where do I feel like if I could just be in this zone all day, I would love it. Um, and that was really where I, how I got to that. So, what's your definition of your niche, Jess? If you had to describe it. Mm-hmm. What is it? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> so I specifically help business owners with their foundational marketing strategy, their niche service and marketing alignment. Um, and when I say business owners, that wasn't my specific niche. Um, I was five million bus- small business owners. <laughs> no, I specifically work with um, marketers, creatives, um, and professionals. Yeah, I wanted you to say I help people who don't have a niche find their niche, and that's my niche. <laughs> well, I do. Yeah, people say, "What's your niche?" I'm like, "Niche strategy." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially, well, it is because with my, I guess, my whole strategic framework, the niche is firmly at the center. That is yeah. the first step, and you can't do the rest without it. Something I did want to chat to you about a little bit was very often as creatives, 
we lean towards niching around an industry. So I'll give you an example. You know, I see a lot of creatives niche around trade, but is it a niche? Is that appropriate? I suppose that's the question. (laughs) Yeah, good question. So this is part of one of your three aspects of your niche, but this is part of the who. So when you're defining who your ideal client is, which is part of your overall niche. So, um, you know, I don't see niches just being your expertise because you've got your expertise is what you do, but who is it that you do it for? Um, Because that really helps you to get more specific and more defined. It makes a lot of sense to me if you, you know, you've got variety within the trades, but they also have similar needs. They've got similar goals. So your messaging when you're talking to them, when you're saying what you can help them do and why they want it and on their website, if you can specialize in trades, you can be so much more pointed with your messaging. I think it's an interesting one. And I think it really comes down to maybe the reason why you do it in that if you're doing it because you really love working with that particular area and you really think you can add some value to them, and importantly, you could see yourself wanting to continue to work with them. So I think you've really got to ask yourself the reasons why you're doing it. Yes. Yes, 100%. No, you've hit the nail on the head there. Like it shouldn't be because of opportunity out there. It should be because that's who you love to work with. <laughs> the other thing as well that I often talk about when when my clients start to talk about niching in an industry is there will be people within an industry because an industry is very broad mm. that also some of those will be your perfect client and you will love to work with and some of them won't mm-hmm. you know it doesn't mean that because you had a great experience in that industry that you will continue to have it because there's another layer potentially which is to do with some of the mindset and the psychographics of the people within the industry. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's kind of like your first layer, (laughs) you know? So it's like you you starting off with, well, you know, you might start with small business and then your next layer in might be industries. Like you said, sometimes it's not relevant, um, but that would be just your next layer. And there's so much more that you go to. You've decided on your niche. You picked through Jess's three points and started to peel away the layers and narrow down and you know chop off the things that aren't for you and you've arrived at your niche which is an evolving thing and could very much change but you've got there and you're like yes this feels good to me what do you do next you go and put your stake in the ground and start shouting about that niche and saying this is who I work with how do you go about I suppose then talking to that niche well Yes, in a way you do go and put your stake in the ground. <laughs> yeah, You own it, right? Like that's it. You've decided it. Um, the best thing to do is to put it out there. Um, so yes, you would look at, well, where are you visible? Where are people finding you? Is it on your social media profiles? Do you need to tweak your, you know, your bio or what you're saying about your business so that it's aligned? Um, obviously the homepage of your website, the first place that they might come to if they find your website, what is that saying? Um, you know, can you make that more aligned to the niche that you've just said? So um, yes, absolutely. The, the clearer you can be, the better. And, you know, the way that you can test how things are working is, you know, look at your analytics. Um, don't be afraid of the data, but look at your website and how many people are arriving on your homepage and bouncing off. Because if, they're bounce, if you've got a high bounce rate, then that is a sign that they're not seeing what they want or they're not feeling it's relevant for them. Um, so either they're the wrong people or you're not being specific and clear enough in your messaging. Yeah. 
to your point about, yes, you might narrow down your market, but even then there is still, don't come at it from a scarcity point of view. There is still abundance there. But what you do also do is you increase your conversion rate because you will, you might have a narrower field, but more of those people will want to work with you because you are for them. Yes, absolutely. And you can be earning more in the same amount of hours that you're working. So, you know, for me, I'm always looking at how is there more leverage? Can you work less and earn more? And absolutely you can if you're perceived as a specialist in an area. Um, You know, straight away you can be pricing at a a much higher rate. Um, What I feel that happens a lot with the creatives that I work with is they start their business as a freelancer and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, But they tend to get stuck there with the freelancer mindset which means that you're treating yourself like an employee you're treating the market letting the market guide you and you're letting the market also set your rates Um, so what we're looking to do with this strategy and why niching is so important is that it actually helps you to rise up above the freelance the space and become a respected authority so I'd just like to leave you with that thought to think about, you know, are you treating yourself like a freelancer? Are you letting the market dictate your rates? Are you letting the clients dictate what you offer? And literally, like, will you tell me what you want and I'll, I'll price it for you and do it for you? With that, you're basically being an employee of all of your clients' businesses. So yeah. you're not leading. And it, there is a very important and subtle shift you could still be doing that same work, but by doing it as a respected authority where you're leading, where you're setting, you're setting the vision, you're setting the rates, you're setting what you do. And that that's where you see the difference when you look out there in any niche, you might say, well, gosh, there's some people who are completely killing it there and others who are struggling. And it's the same in every single niche. And guess what the difference is, is how they're treating their business. Are they treating it as a business where they're leading or are they treating themselves as an employee? Um, as a freelancer yeah and look I think even as a freelancer there is a job of niching it to be done there in itself if you know if you choose freelancing as a path and if you're really clear about who you are as a freelancer the types of work that you want to do do you specialize in packaging or are you a comm specialist and you get brought in for for big pitch projects if you're really clear on those then you will get called in to do the work you love doing and you will be valued for it if Mm -hmm. you're the freelancer that's kind of right I'm going to trade time for money and you just pull me in whatever you need and I'll come in and I'll fill a seat and I'll Mm -hmm. do the work then that is less sustainable. Even as a freelancer, I think you can think about how you niche yourself. Yes. And that, you know, what you just described is really where you're shifting out of the, what we would call the freelancer zone into a a respected authority zone. So when you are defining what it is that you will and won't do, um, you, you, you are rising up. So you, you know, although you may consider yourself a freelancer still, um, you've taken that next step up to being a more authoritative, you know, you, you're stepping into thought leadership space. You're saying, this is, this is my lane. This is what I do. Um, these are my prices. And yes, you are therefore approaching yourself more as a business as opposed to an employee. 
Yeah. And, and, you know, working with clients, wouldn't you rather work with clients who you completely align with and love every day than actually just whatever work is coming into your inbox? And what I see people in the freelancer zone feeling like they have to say yes to everything that's coming in because they worry about, well, what happens next time? Yes. They're usually re relying on referrals because no one knows them for anything. So they're usually getting referral-based business. And this is how you can diagnose if you're in that zone. It's like if, you if your business... Well, clients come via referrals. Um, if there's feast and famine happening, there's no consistency. If you're pricing every project that comes in, um, you know, and you and it's not specific, it's kind of there's a bit of all sorts of stuff going on, then you're definitely in that freelancer zone. Um, you know, and that's fine. You can stay there. If you're feeling like it's getting hard, it's a bit burnt out, you don't like the feast and famine, then this is some of the work you can do to rise out, out of that zone. There is so much there to think about and you have shared so much value that I hope that anyone listening is going to want to come and find you and learn more about what it is you have to share. Now, before you go, though, is there anything else, any final words of wisdom, insight, sarcastic remarks that you would like to share? <laughs> Most people think that when they're having problems getting clients, that it's a problem in what they're doing. So they're looking at all of the tactics, they're looking at their you know mentors and, and leaders out there to see well what are they doing and oh they've got a podcast or oh they post on Instagram five times a day or oh, they're doing reels or whatever it is and they go and copy and then wonder why they're not getting the results it's like you know and if you're on that path you can keep on doing that you can keep looking for the next thing you can keep on buying another course and another course and learning all of these skills but if you haven't taken the time to get these few little pieces of your marketing foundational strategy that's behind the scenes it's not in what you're doing it's in the, the reason that you're doing it who you're talking to like get that in place and then choose your tactics to be aligned to your ideal customer that's how you get real traction it's how you get momentum that's how you get growth without it being um, overwhelming without it taking over your life and without you know you wasting so much time and money on stuff that's not working Amazing. So that would be my, I guess, final nugget. Amazing. Um, Thank you, Jess. Look, my big takeout, I think, is that you need to drive the niche and the choices and what you want to do in your business and not let it drive you. Yes. Yeah. And trust yourself. <laughs> you know, stop looking for validation from the market. Stop looking externally for the clues. Look internally. You've yeah. got it there. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much, Jess. Absolutely loved this Pleasure. conversation. I really appreciate you joining me. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining me, Beck Hughes, on the C Word podcast. If you like what you heard, subscribe, leave a review and share with your friends and business buddies who might like to listen in too. The music for this podcast is by Red Productions on Pixabay.